Do you notice on this show that a lot of couples fight about the price of ice cream or a $20 Amazon purchase? And one of the primary reasons for that is that their fixed costs are just too high. We've seen 70%, 83%, even 125% fixed costs on this show. Now, of course, I recommend they work to get those costs down, cut subscriptions, pay off debt, cut their groceries, maybe even their housing costs or car. But frankly, the price of toothpaste is the price of toothpaste. Everybody's basically paying the same amount. So naturally, as your income goes up, your fixed cost percentage will go down. If you want to know how to increase your income, you should come to my next live coaching call. This March 14th in my money coaching program, we're going to talk about how to negotiate a higher salary. I'm going to show you some of the techniques that lots of my students have used to negotiate their salary, whether it's at their existing job or for a new job. And at the end, plenty of time for Q&A. You can only get the invitation to this live call, How to Negotiate a Higher Salary, by joining my coaching program at iwt.com slash moneycoaching. I'll see you at iwt.com slash moneycoaching. Have you ever wondered how much money other people make? Or how much they spend on groceries or vacations? Well, for the last month, I have been getting hundreds of real spending plans from readers all over the world, all different income levels, all different ages. And each week in my newsletter, I select one to critique. I'll show you how much they make, how much they spend, how much they save and invest, all of their real numbers, plus what I would do if I were in their situation. If you've ever wanted a peek into what real people are spending, make sure you're signed up for free at iwt.com slash podcast newsletter. I'll show you a new spending plan every Saturday at iwt.com slash podcast newsletter. On the income that the two of you make, you make too much money to be behaving this way. There are sacrifices that are going to have to be made. So... Goodbye, Tesla. Goodbye to a lot of the expensive things you would have ordinarily done because you are taking all of that money and redirecting it to $55,000 a year for private mm -hmm. school. Are you both mentally centered and emotionally ready for that? That is a struggle. That will definitely be a struggle. Mm-hmm. So the question simply simply asked is, are we setting ourselves a failure? Well, what's the but, worst case for you two, financially speaking? Um, continuing down the path we're this on. slope, yeah, for sure. The path that we're on is the worst case. Wow. Wait until you hear this episode. Sarah and Kevin make over $250,000 a year, but they're broke. They recently sold their house and paid off a bunch of debt. But six months later, they're back in $50,000 of credit card debt again. In part one of our conversation last week, we discovered some of the psychology behind how they treat money. And they told me about some of their fears about repeating some of the generational money mistakes that their parents made. But at the end of the conversation last week, there was a big surprise. They told me, that they've decided they're going to spend $55,000 a year on private school for their children. In today's conversation, I want you to make sure that you listen until the end. Today, something quite amazing happens. Please make sure you follow through until the end. And remember, you can watch this episode on YouTube. As always, 
the body language and the facial expressions tell you so much more than just listening. So remember to follow me on YouTube. You can search for Ramit Sethi and of course on Apple and Spotify. I am Ramit Sethi and this is I Will Teach You To Be Rich. Are there any other things that are really important for the two of you to start doing? Saving for the girls' school next year. What? Yep. How much? What? Where'd that come from? We haven't talked about that at all. No. So they, they're in private school. And so we have to switch their school. It's for all three. It's about, without financial aid, it's about 55000 a year. What the fuck? Where did the, how are these secret expenses coming up right now? 55000 What else? Um, this next year, I think that's it. That's all. I mean, the school. Yeah, you, don't you have I to mean, make a donation to these private schools too? No. Okay. She's like yeah. shrugging. Eh, all right. Okay. So 55, where's that money coming from, by the way? So this was our first year and we used some of the house, the money that we, when we sold the house, we used it to pay it um, for the first year. Mm-hmm. And where's it going to come from next year and the year after and after that? Great question. That's we're asking ourselves that same question. All right. How do you think we should fix this problem? Let me lay out the elements just so you hear me, because I know you're embroiled in all the weeds. Here's what I see. The two of you make a high income. You make like $210,000 a year in base salary. You have $180,000 of debt. Of that debt, $50,000 is credit card debt. Mm -hmm. You have $93,000 in savings. You have some things you want to do. You want to buy land, et cetera. You have three kids. So you guys basically just want to be upper middle class in terms of income, but essentially have no net worth for the rest of your lives. No. That's what people who end up, they live in a nice neighborhood, they live in a nice house, their kids go to private school and they have nothing. That's exactly what they say. What if you lived in an area with a better school district for your school-aged children? That would require moving out of state. And would you be open to that or no? Well, not with his job, no. Okay, no. Okay. And would there be any other places within the state that you'd potentially be able to move to? No, we are in the best school, high school, school district in the state. Okay, got it. And have you both agreed that this is like, it's either private school at 55K or homeschooling? Has that been, mm-hmm. that's the discussion you've agreed on? Mm-hmm. Kevin? Well, really, it's been just private school. More private school. Um, I have entertained in my head the possibility of dwindling one, um, one, one child. It's so, it's so hard. It's, it's very difficult. Okay. It sounds like this private school is one of the things that is critical to you. Yeah. Yes. Why don't we see if we can make it work? And that will tell us in very stark numbers. And then we can decide what our options are. How okay. about that? 
All right. So payoff credit card debt was number one. Mm -hmm. School payments, number two. Is there anything else that are the big rocks for you? Well, I want to say the house, but. You're, you're shaking your head. What are you thinking? That's, that's not happening anytime soon. This was a house you wanted to build? You told me it was a dream of yours since you were young. Okay. And, and you say it's not happening anytime soon. Why? Um, well, <laughs> because my kids' education. Because it's a sacrifice that I have to be willing to make for my children to be and have the education that we want them to have. Okay. Okay. I can respect that. Sometimes these trade-offs are really hard. You know, there's a vision we have of our life as we expected it. And then other things come up that you never could have predicted. And suddenly that dream you had, that crystal clear vision of what you want in your life is just not within reach or it's a trade-off. Have you ever thought about that before? Um, and small things, yeah. Um, but in big dreams, I'm always been the one that's like, I'll make it happen mm -hmm. however I need to. I'll make it happen. How, how do you make it happen usually? Um, pushing harder, mm -hmm. um, sacrificing, mm -hmm. um, expanding myself, <laughs> running myself ragged, typically. What would your kids think about you when it comes to money? Do you think that they see you running yourself ragged sometimes? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let me explain what's going on here. Sarah and Kevin have decided that they absolutely, positively must live in a specific neighborhood that has the best school for their girls. Not only that, they've decided to spend $55,000 a year on private school. When I ask if they'd be willing to move anywhere else, they say no. Okay, fine. I can respect that. If you asked me if I was willing to wear Crocs, I would say no too. I've learned that it's not helpful to tell people they simply cannot do what they want to do, especially when they can technically afford it. So I'm going to do a little exercise with them. I'm going to show them exactly what this private school will cost. I want them to be able to internalize and visualize what their life will be like for the next 10 plus years if they choose to go down this route. And this is something that most of us never do. We stay at the surface level. We say things like, I want that car, or I want to take this vacation. I want to buy that house. But we never interrogate that belief and say, okay, how is that going to affect our lives? That's because we very, very rarely understand the relationship between what we buy and how it affects our finances. Many of us don't even understand the relationship between our finances and our day-to-day -day lifestyle. That's what I want to change. 
So let's start with how Sarah and Kevin talk about money with their kids. Sarah told me that she's had a dream for a long time of building a house for their family. I'm going to ask her what her children would think about their parents' financial choices. You think they care about this land, this house that's in your head? Um, yes and no. Um, I, I think that, I think partly they see how much I want it. And so I think they want it for me. Um, and we we talk, I talk about it and I talk about dreaming with them and I talk about, I, I get, I've gotten there and what do they want? What do they want their rooms to look like when we do this and to try and get them to be a part of the process. Um, so I think they're invested in that way. Um, Let me ask you a question. Do you talk to them similarly about your investments and your savings? Mm -hmm. What lesson do you think you're communicating to them? To dream but not be realistic? Maybe. And that maybe success is buying a house or mm -hmm. buying something. And maybe it is for them. Who knows? That's their future. It's not us to decide. But gosh, I really would like for them to see mom and dad, your own words, being good stewards of money. Okay, everybody, sit down. We've got 50 bucks. And we're going to go out to one place to eat. How do we want to choose? Well, we can't do it all. We only have 50. Oh my gosh, if we choose that one appetizer, we're not going to be able to buy anything else. Then a little bigger. The 13-year-old, quite savvy. You can do a lot with a 13-year-old. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice for them to learn about trade-offs like you are learning about trade-offs right now? Yeah. Yeah. So the excitement that you have communicated to them about this house, I love that you are able to do that. I love that. I think we might need to redirect it into something else for the next while. Mm -hmm. Trust me. If they see you getting excited, they're going to get excited. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So paid off credit card debt, school, and the house. It, it will certainly take you time to... Yeah to come to terms with that. But do you feel deep down that you could come to terms with not moving forward on this house for the next, let's say 10 years? Um, eventually. Okay, that's a fair answer. Can I tell you something? There are things that I would not be able to come to terms with. It would be really hard for me to. And some of them are materialistic. Like I've gotten used to certain things that I like. If you told me I could not do it anymore, it would be really, re it would be devastating for me. I mean, I remember when I was like seven years old, like, mm -hmm. well, so my parents bought land, or like, gosh, when I was really young to be able to build on. And I think I was like six or seven around yeah. that time period. And then that never happened. They ended up having to sell it. And, um, and I remember like hearing about that and getting to design 
a house and and I was seven and on the old like computers, I would go and like try and draw my own house plants, like um, playing Barbies. I just wanted to set up the house. Like I didn't care about actually playing. I just wanted to build and create. And so this is, I mean, literally been my entire, my grandfather was a builder. Um, it was in, is in my blood and I love that kind of stuff. And so it's yeah. very much passion. Yeah. This is going to be a passion project. Well, there is a possibility in the future at some point. But if right now with the current income, even if the two of you make $100,000 a year more, that house is not in your future for at least the next decade. In my opinion, it is respectful to tell people the truth. Looking at their income and expenses and their financial habits, Sarah and Kevin have no chance of being able to build a house in the next decade. Now, I never would have told them this at the beginning of our conversation. I needed to understand their finances. I needed to understand their attitudes. But now I get it. And I've built some trust. I think that a lot of us spend our lives dreaming about something big that we want to do. I find that less than 5% of us actually try to plan it out. Oh, Ramit, we want to live in Rome for a month someday. Awesome. I go, that sounds amazing. How much would it cost? Can you get time off work? What about your kids? For most of us, we simply defer these logistical questions until someday in the future. And I think the reason for that goes quite deep. Some of us don't want to look into it because the reality might be too scary. That the dream we've been telling ourselves we want to do for our entire lives actually might not be possible. It's too scary to think about, so we never open a single calculator. But if someone comes to me and they ask for help, I believe it's respectful to tell them the truth. Now that Sarah knows she cannot build a house for at least the next decade, she can start to go through a process, probably starting with grieving and eventually accepting it, which will allow her to focus on a more realistic tomorrow. This is what I mean when I say, in order to live a rich life, you've got to be honest with yourself and with the people around you. If you ever follow me on Instagram, sometimes you'll see me post about my behind-the-scenes travel experiences, coffee tours, salsa-making classes in Mexico, all kinds of culinary stuff in India. And I'll get a lot of people saying, where do I find that Kyoto notepad maker that you found? And one place you can find that is Viator. In fact, my wife and I used Viator to book a Segway tour where we took a tour of a new city and we had an amazing experience, something we never would have thought of doing on our own. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. And with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everybody. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real travel reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best travel activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. 
A few years ago, I was at a tea tasting in New York with one of my buddies. I thought it was going to be a normal tea tasting. Suddenly, six people from Japan come in. They pour basically three thimblefuls of tea and we taste it. I've never tasted anything like that. And they tell us if we were to buy that, just the three thimblefuls, it would be $75. Now, drop for drop, that's the most expensive thing I've ever had to drink. Not all of us have the time or the money to buy that specific tea from that specific mountainside in Japan. But what if you could capture that feeling of the care and the love, even the way that they served it to us? What if you could bring that to your home every morning? Well, I want to introduce you to one of our newest sponsors, Peak Tea. What makes Peak Tea special is that the tea is cold extracted using only wild harvested leaves from 250-year-old tea leaves. That makes the tea rich in minerals, and other beneficial compounds. Now, the greatest part is that peak tea is zero prep. There's no tea bag that you have to steep for the perfect amount of time. Peak dissolves in cold or hot water in seconds. It's already pre-measured, it's perfectly brewed, and it's perfect to take if you travel. My team's been trying peak tea, and they especially love the Pu'er green teas. For a limited time, get up to 15% off and a free quiver with 12 tea samples with my link, peaklife.com slash Ramit. That's P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E dot com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T. I hear making up for the past, the credit card debt. I hear incurring over half a million dollars for our children in school, that's important to you. Okay, you want to send them to private school, I hear you. But I don't hear anything about going and getting ahead. Two hundred, $300,000 a year, what a tragedy it would be to simply be treading water for the rest of your lives. Is yeah. there anything we can do about that? Yes. What? Putting money into... Investments? Yeah. I'd like to. Because right now, it feels like you're swimming against the current, doesn't it? Yes. Everything you're doing, it's just like, why is this so hard? And then we get a cash infusion. We sell the house. And then we're back in debt. And then we get an inheritance. But we already know if we spend that, we're going yeah. back into debt. You're just swimming against the current. Nothing is changing. And don't you think if you make an extra $150,000 a year, you're going to find some other way to spend that money? Yeah. So you've got to start getting ahead even while you are dealing with some of these things. Okay. All right. If you want to do all these things, let's just say that's $1,000 a month for paying off your credit card debt. I'm just picking a number out of the thin air. If you did um, $1,000 to pay off this credit card debt, by the way, you would it would take you five years to pay it off. Uh. And you would pay, on a $50,000 balance, you'd pay $42,000 in interest. Yeah. So that sucks. But all right, let's just say $1,000. You could change the numbers dramatically if you do $2,000, but I'm just giving you an example. School is going to be how much a month? It's $5,500. Okay, let's just say $6,000. Okay. $6,000 a month. And your investments should be what? What's a number we can pick as a ballpark? Well, 
Yeah. Let's say 10%. And should it be gross income? Let's start there. 10% of gross income. What's your gross okay. income? Uh, 23. Uh, gross oh, annual month. income. Sorry, annual. <laughs> Um, no more monthly. <laughs> say it. Say it out loud for me, please. No more monthly. I'm, gonna, no more monthly. I'm going no more to monthly. rip this tendency out of your mouth if I have to come over there myself. Say it. What's the number? Two hundred thirty uh, annual income. Two hundred thirty. Yes. All right. No more monthly. I want that haunting you. Listen. If anyone wants to buy a recording of me saying no more monthly, send me a note. You cannot live a rich life if you are only focused on what's happening this month and next month. It's like trying to drive while only looking five feet in front of you. You have to use a financial system to automate your expenses and your saving and your investing so you can finally look ahead. Now, if you already have that system and you still find yourself constantly playing small and only talking about month by month by month, focus on changing your language and your money psychology to an annual perspective. Just start by saying, what is our rich life this year and map it out accordingly. If you don't have that system, you can use my book to get it set up. And if you need a little implementation help, you can join my money coaching program at iwt.com slash money coaching. So six, seven, eight, nine thousand a month just to achieve these basic, well, they're not basic, but these important things to you. What do you all think about that? Uh, it's um, it's a large amount. It's a lot. Yeah. Any any questions so far? Nope. All right. What's I notice? You know, it's looks a little tough for you. Tell me, tell me what's going through your head right now. Just yeah. Is it tough to start to like get into yeah. the numbers like this? Mm-hmm. I think that at this moment, it can feel like you're watching your dreams get calculated away. And I want you to stick with me. This moment is really difficult because you have to confront reality. And it's going to be hard. I, I can't, I wish I could make it all easy, but it's not. But I can tell you that if you're able to confront reality and make some tough choices, that you have a very, very bright future ahead. Okay. Okay. So let's take it step by step. And if you feel overwhelmed or you're not sure about something, tell me. Okay. All right. So what we see now is that your fixed costs are 151% of your take-home pay. What does that tell you? Uh, our fixed costs are too high. Let me repeat that number for you. <laughs> I usually recommend that fixed costs be... 50 to 60% of take-home pay or after-tax pay, their fixed costs are 151% of take-home pay. They are spending more than they make every month on their fixed costs alone. I want you to hear the details in this next exchange. It is so revealing. This next exchange is going to show you that it's actually quite easy to overspend, in part because you and I don't make decisions based on some spreadsheet. In fact, most people rarely even make decisions based on numbers at all. No, instead, we buy the family SUV or the gym membership or even the private school for the girls. 
we create meaning and we try to buy what we think is a rich life, but we almost never buy numbers. Here's the trick. In order to live a rich life, a truly rich life, you have to deeply understand your numbers. So I'm going to try to help Sarah and Kevin get from 151% to 50 to 60%, but you can imagine how difficult this is going to be. For Sarah and Kevin, it will feel like cutting off parts of their lives. But this is part of the process for them to understand what it will truly cost if they want to live in this specific area and send their kids to this expensive private school. Yeah, you're going broke every month. So that's not going to work. And and also, we haven't even actually factored in paying off your debt. Right. So let's go ahead and do that. Let's just start with $1,000 a month towards your debt. Shit, now you're at 160%. But guess what? That's reality. We're going to put everything out on the table, and then we're going to figure out what to do. So your rent is... Sixteen percent. Is your rent really low? What is it? Low cost of living over there? Um, yeah, it's our, fairly low comparatively. Yeah, and we downsize quite a bit. All right, that's pretty good. Sixteen percent. Don't move, okay? <laughs> I know you want to, but please don't, because if you move, it's going to be somewhere more expensive, right? Uh, yeah. Don't do that. I'm just telling you, I, I, I rarely are in that directive, but I'm like, you got a good thing going here. Don't mess with it. Uh, insurance, whatever. Car payment. Yeah, your car payment is, uh, you can't afford it. You can't afford these two cars. Like, not even close. So that will have to be made a change. So I want you to start t changing some of these numbers. Take that car payment and cut it in half. Let's watch what happens to that overall number. All right, so 1,000 takes it from 160% to 149%. Uh, what do you think? It was a slight drop. Yeah, slight drop. To me, the way I look at it is, okay, I should probably do that, but holy shit, like how am I actually going to get to 55%? It actually does not feel possible correct okay um can you spend less than 1500 on your groceries every month if you were really thoughtful about it yes yeah yeah we can how much mm -hmm. how much can you take that number down reasonably um i would say maybe a thousand maybe okay. 1200 Pick a number that you are confident. Probably twelve hundred. All right, probably twelve hundred. Okay, you're at uh, one hundred forty-six percent. All right, we're moving in the right direction. <laughs> I like what I'm seeing so far. All right, kids' activities eight ninety-nine. Yeah. What do you want to do here? Can I just tell you a quick story? My sister took horseback riding lessons when she was a kid. She did it like two times. She loved it. You know what my mom did? She pulled her out of that shit. She's like, we can't afford this. You had two rides on a pony. Uh, you'll remember that forever. You're done. 
I wish you could do it all. Yeah. What decisions do you want to make here? So I have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing we're doing this off of base salary, mm-hmm. is this something that we could decide, I guess, year to year? Because we do know we have things coming in and like soccer for our oldest is $2,400 a year. And mm-hmm. so if we choose to, okay, so we know that I'm going to make an extra, I don't know, $5,000 one month. What was that word we, you just said? An extra? No, it started with an M. Sorry, I'm not aware of make? what that word is. No, um, it was after that. Every month. Month. Sorry, I don't well, know what that word means. An <laughs> extra $20,000 per year. Per year. Thank you very much. Thank okay. You. <laughs> <laughs> an extra $20,000 this year. Uh-huh. And we're like, okay, we want to make sure the girls have activities this okay. year. Okay. Here's how you do that. Absolutely. You can set up a rule for the two of you that says any additional amount we make above our salaries gets allocated in this way. But here's the trick. You can only do that taking last year's bonus that's now in your account and use it for the future year. Yeah. Do you see how you haven't been doing that? Yep. And that screwed you. Yeah. Because you're basically counting on all this money now. And if it doesn't happen, you're in real trouble. Right. So I say we put it at zero. Okay, go ahead. Make the change. And that be one of those rules. Okay. You know what's really cool about the what you just did? It's very courageous, I think. It's very courageous for you. Clearly, you care about your kids and their activities. I know both of you do. For you to say, we're going to take them out of these things. You may not want to. I'm sure you don't. But sometimes parents cannot afford it. Very courageous. Girls' school, you have 5801 here. Okay. Um, and you told me that's one of the important things you want to do. Okay. Yeah. Subscriptions. Get, get, fix this, please. Yeah, this is a lot of the um, uh, business stuff Take that's it in this. Take it out. Just give me what's in here for personal. Um, seven hundred, maybe. I'm going to say seven hundred. Let's talk about this. Seven hundred. Uh huh. Jim yeah. Pilates, food delivery, food service, all that stuff. Yeah. Is all that continuing? No. Okay, take it out. It says zero. You don't have any like Hulu or Netflix or something? Oh, yeah. Like so, yeah. I mean, so put I'll it, say 100 bucks. Put in a, okay, 100 bucks. Fine. I can get with that. We have a miscellaneous amount here that automatically adds... Uh, 15%, which I think is good. So you're currently at 125%. First of all, 
I've never clapped at someone spending 125% of their income on fixed costs, but I'm going to take the win on this because we went down from 150 to 125. That's not bad. That's not bad. However, you don't have enough money to pay for this lifestyle. It's like an Indian parent congratulating their kid for getting a 98%, but then going straight for the jugular and asking what went wrong for that last 2%. I have been trained well. Right now, I'm in no rush. I want them to feel the exhaustion of everything they've just cut, only to realize that it actually made no difference at all. They are still spending more than twice as much as they can comfortably afford. It's untenable. I need them to feel this frustration before they finally decide if they're willing to make a real substantive change. I don't know if it'll happen. But I know that right now they are not ready. They are still telling themselves stories that are totally untethered to their financial reality. This is when I decide to make a gentle suggestion. I have a friend of mine who's always cold. She told me she and her partner have totally different temperatures when they sleep. She goes to bed in a flannel pajama. She's got extra blankets. Her partner's running hot. So now she recently started testing the pod cover from 8sleep, one of our sponsors. Before she goes to sleep, she gets on the app, cranks up the heat, and when she gets into bed at night, it's already warm and waiting for her. The pod cover by 8sleep fits on your bed like a fitted sheet, and it collects information. It has sensors. The pod then uses that information to understand what you need to get better sleep. You can set it to heat up or cool down before you get into bed. It also adjusts while you sleep, and you can set it to change temperatures to gently wake you up in the morning. Best part, there are two zones. So if you run hot and your partner runs cold, you can each set your side of the bed to exactly how you want it. Improve the way you sleep by using my link at 8sleep.com slash Ramit for $200 off plus free shipping on their high-tech pod three cover. That's 8sleep.com slash Ramit, E-I-G-H-T, sleep.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T, for a better, smarter sleep. I get tons of email every single day, and I want to give you a behind-the-scenes look at how I manage emails from my team, from my family, and from you. I use a piece of software called Superhuman, and this is an email software that I actually pay for out of my own pocket. It works with your existing email service like Gmail or Outlook, and let me share how it saves me over 10 hours a week. So here are a few things I love about it. First off, it splits my inbox into different streams, so my important emails come into one place. It's not cluttered with a bunch of subscriptions everywhere. Next, I use keyboard shortcuts, unlike you barbarians who literally click and peck through every single email. U to mark it unread, S to star it, J or K to cycle through messages. I use keystrokes to schedule messages, like when I want to ask one of my coworkers a question, but I don't want to send them an email on a Saturday. Now, I can work through dozens of emails in minutes using this. And Superhuman just introduced an AI feature, which allows you to take a huge email with all these people chiming in and automatically summarize what's going on in a few bullet points. It'll even draft emails for you. So if you want to buy back your time, Superhuman is a no-brainer to me. It's something I spend my own money on and I love it. Right now, all IWT listeners will get a free month of Superhuman you can get started at superhuman.com slash Ramit. That's superhuman.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T.
Can I make a suggestion? Mm -hmm. Can we take, just to view this correctly, can we take the girls' school in row 17 and move it to guilt-free spending? Yeah. Let's just see what that does. Okay. All right. So look, look what just, whoa, holy shit. What happened to the numbers? Stop dramatically. Tell me what just changed. What changed in your fixed cost percentage? It went from 124 to 76. Okay. 76 is within striking distance of 60. Yeah. That's a big change. And then what happened to the guilt-free spending number? What is that number at right now? Um, 48. Yeah. 48. And it should be 20 to 35%. Yeah. Okay. Whoa. So I'm seeing some things happen here. Can I tell you what I see? Yeah. I see that your fixed costs are still over what they need to be, but 76 is within striking distance of 60. It's achievable. You could do it. You can never get from 150 to 60. It's just, you can't, you can't cut your way down that much, but 76, we could make some things happen here. Now let's look at your guilt-free spending number should be 20 to 35%. It's 48. You're spending way too much on guilt-free spending. However, at least you're in the universe. Okay. What I want to point out is that you have no vacation, no eating out, no nothing. Okay, and there's one more thing I notice here, which is you have no savings and no investments. So we have problems, but at least we're starting to chip away at things and see if it is possible. Yeah. What do you take away from this example, what we're doing right now? That there are sacrifices that are going to have to be made. Okay, I need to admit something. Technically, their kids' private school should be a fixed cost. That's because they've indicated there's no way they're going to eliminate it, and it is a long-term expense. You know why I didn't count it there? Because this is my show, and once in a while, I get to break the rules. I'm doing this for a reason. I do not want to break our momentum right now by getting into this semantic debate and, oh, if we move it over here, technically it's going to do that. Because ultimately, that's not what I'm trying to accomplish here. I don't care about the semantics as much as I care about helping them make a psychological breakthrough and change their financial reality. All right. I want to give them a totally new way to look at their money. And if I have to break one of my own rules, I'm cool with it. It's kind of like someone coming in and rearranging your living room. Suddenly, you can see it from an entirely new perspective. All right. So we got to put in some money for investments. Throw that in there. It's probably 1100 There you go. There you Beautiful. Go. 1200 bucks. Fantastic. All right. Uh, now, we got to get some savings in there because I know you have savings, but it's mm -hmm. not. The reason that I insist on savings is that I'm trying to get you away from this episodic problem you have, which is you kind of just wait until you have this inflow of cash and then you just like randomly disperse it. I don't want that anymore. Mm -hmm. I want a okay. system. So every month you are moving towards your goals. Give me a savings goal here. Give me 5%. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two. 
Nice. 600 bucks right on the money. All right. Uh, okay. We're still a little high, but we're, we're, we're getting there. How much are we going to make on the bonus and distribution? I need to factor those in now. Um, well, for me, I think minimum will be about 20,000 this year. Okay. 20,000. Cool. And, uh, what about for you, Kevin? Um, bonus wise this year, um, let's just spend on plan on 50. Five zero? Five zero. All right. That, that makes things a little better. 70,000. Uh, can I just make a point, Sarah? If you think about your expenses, are there areas in your business that you can cut down on? Yes. Like how much? I would say probably 90%. What the fuck? What? Yeah. Uh, wait, this is cool. Like, what's the dollar amount that you could eliminate if you needed to tomorrow? Because you do need to. Um, yearly? <laughs> okay, yeah, give me yearly. Uh, no, month, uh, monthly. I was just trying to stay away from our monthly words. Good job. Um, um, I would say monthly, probably $3,000. Three to four thousand. Wait, which one? Let's say three thousand. Three thousand. That's thirty-six thousand dollars a year. You feel you can comfortably cut that right now? Uh, yeah, yes. Uh, that's pretty awesome. What do you think is going through my head right now? I should do that. Yeah, and what else? (laughs) What are you going to do with that money if you cut it all? Tell me exactly what you do. Tomorrow you go and eliminate all that stuff. What happens then? Um, it's freed up for other things. Like to what? Come, to come over and do debt and uh, all the other stuff. Yes, that's fucking yeah. awesome. Yeah. We're finding $36,000 under the couch cushions. But the key is we got to actually pick up the money from the couch and then we got to yeah. put it in the right place we want it to go. Okay, that's pretty awesome. So that's not even your distribution. We're talking about expenses right now. You could stop spending. Yeah. And you can transfer, you can add $3,000 a month to your income. Yeah, Uh, yes. So you tell me, how would you decide? Right now you have an extra $3,000 per month to do something with. It's like you're playing Oregon Trail and you get to choose where do you want to go in your wagon. <laughs> what do you want to do? Um, well, so if we just add it in income, yeah, it'll adjust those numbers. Go ahead. Love to watch the flow. Oh, shit. What does that number say on fixed costs? It's below 60%. 57%, my friends. And we haven't even touched the bonuses. We are. We're getting there. I feel a little hope. What do you feel? Feeling good. Feeling better. Yeah. We're getting there. Step by step. This is good. I just want to point out what just happened. Sarah, you got this business. Yeah. You, You had it all kind of conflated in with your personal. We fixed all that shit. It's separate now. Now that you have clarity, you can finally start to take a magnifying glass to that business. Every dollar you spend is a dollar that could be in your family's accounts. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, if there's things that you need to spend on, absolutely spend on it. But if there's things that you're just like, these are nice to have, I don't really need it, goodbye. Okay. Right? And what that did was it made a dramatic change in your family's personal finances. I think now that you have this much more efficient way of looking at your business, I actually think your expenses will be lower. Potentially, your income will be higher. And I think your profit margin is going to go way up. In my earnable program to help you launch and grow your business, we talk about this. Some people come in, they have no business idea. Fine. We help them find one. Others already have a business running and we help them grow it. You can find a link to join Earnable in the show notes. But we're not done with Kevin and Sarah yet. You could take some of that $93,000 in savings and you could apply it towards the debt. You don't have Mm -hmm. to do it all. You could put some of it towards it, like paying an extra $25,000 towards credit card debt or even hell, $50,000. That changes things dramatically, especially from an interest perspective. What do you think about that? I was wondering if we should do that from the, like that should be our next move. Yeah. What, what's like, the interest rate again on that uh, credit card payment? It's high. It's in the double digits. It's like 26% it's, or something. Uh, that's I the highest. I think it's 20. I think my All right. 20. So it's a lot. All right. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you exactly what to do on that. It's up to you. But if it were me, here's how I would think about it. I would be, okay, $93,000. My expenses are for fixed costs are $9,400. So I have like 10 months of expenses banked roughly. I go, I don't want to pay this fucking interest. It's really high interest. I want to take some of that money and I want to apply it and pay it off immediately. I personally would take the 50K from the 93,000 I would pay the credit card debt off right away but more importantly cuz I don't want to get back in this situation again for a third time I would create very clear rules on how, what our spending changes are going to be mm-hmm. can never get back into credit card debt again like Agreed. that's the commitment what do you both say about that yes Okay. I never saw such a big smile. All right. Yeah. All right. You both agree. Sarah, do you agree? Yes. The next one is the car, but I honestly, in in the in the state we live in, in the conditions that we're uh, that we're in, yeah, we don't have public transport, so Mm -hmm. not sure what options we have. Um, You guys have two thousand dollars a month in car payments. mm -hmm. With the lifestyle you want to live, you cannot be driving a seventy-five thousand dollar or so car. You can't. Not if you want to have the private school and all this stuff. You have to be yeah. basically the way you're living, the way you want to live. You're telling me, you're telling me we want to pay off our credit card debt, which means you want to put at least a thousand dollars a month towards it, maybe more. We want to invest at least 10%. We haven't even talked about savings. And we want to send our three daughters to private school. What that means is the rest of your life is going to essentially look like you don't earn very much money at all. Yeah. So goodbye, Tesla. And goodbye to a lot of the expensive things you would have ordinarily done because you are taking all of that money and redirecting it to a considerable amount of expenses, like $55,000 a year for private mm-hmm. school. 
are you both mentally centered and emotionally ready for that? Mentally ready? No, I honestly will we'll say. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, mentally not ready. Okay, Sarah. That is a struggle. That will definitely be a struggle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I think the thing that we, the one thing we have said, and Kevin mentioned it earlier, is that that is a not, it is a non-negotiable for us. The school. And the school. Okay. The sc yeah, the school. And um, the, and so if it's, if that's true, then we have to be willing to do it. So I, I'm telling you, I'm not trying to scare you, okay? What I am saying is you guys want to live an elite lifestyle. It is elite. I'm speaking financially speaking. Sure. Of $55,000 is quite expensive. I get it. I know many families who pay for private school. You have your reasons. I totally respect that. The implications on your income, especially considering you have this debt load of you know 150000 plus, means that realistically, a lot of other things are going to have to be cut to the bone. So I don't want to sugarcoat it for you because the worst thing I can do is, you know, we play around with some numbers here and we leave and you go and basically spend the same way you've been spending on day to day. And in a year, you actually have more debt and you're like, what the fuck? We tried and it's not working. This is a radical re conceptualization of the way that you treat money. Okay. I can see from the yeah. nods on your faces, you're both getting it. Yeah. yeah. Eyes wide open. Love it. Kevin, I'm happy that you're discussing things like, what are we going to do with the cars? You know, and I think the two of you probably need to go a little further on that, but I like that you're both open to it. You know, you came on this call saying uh, communication is an issue. I feel like we're actually having a very constructive conversation with some very difficult numbers here. How do you both feel about it? Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. We've made some tough calls already. The house, not going to happen for at least 10 years. Okay. Kids, activities, not going to happen this year. Okay. D tough, no doubt. It'll take time to internalize that. But gosh, I feel like we're just moving along and, and we're at least seeing that there's possibility. But I have to say one thing to you. I want to talk about the kids' school right now. Okay. Because you're going to have this uh, distribution stuff coming in. Yeah. You also have this inheritance that's floating around. And hopefully every year you both have a nice, healthy distribution. I want to give you some different ways of thinking about your children's school. You've told me that it's a non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. Totally fine with me. My job is to help you figure out how to do it. And the problem is once you put your kids in this school, you can't just pull them out. It's very right. disruptive. So how do you think about that? What would you do to be absolutely certain that you can afford this school for the next 12 years? Apply for financial aid. Okay. That's good. You definitely should. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. Um, what if you wait one year? What do you mean? What if you waited one year and instead of incurring the fees, let's say this year, you waited one year, took all the money you normally would have spent this year, banked it, and then by the time you put your kids in this school, you have a war chest. So if something goes wrong, you do not have the pressure of, oh my God, where are we going to find 6,000 bucks a month right away? They're already there at the school. What? I mean, this was, they, they're in the middle of their first year. Oh, well, okay. That option's out the door. Yeah. All right. So what the fuck? You, you, you signed them up for this school without even knowing where the money was coming from? Yeah, well, we pulled from the house. And that and house then is we, not like the giving tree. That thing doesn't last forever. Yeah. All right. Do you see the, I, I get it. Yeah. They're already there. So mm -hmm. we can't do that. Do, do you kind of see though, the behavioral issue here? Yes. What is it? Just articulate it back to me. It's, and you're speaking in terms of what, like we're putting the cart before the horse, I guess yes. is the saying. Yeah. 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 Like on the income that the two of you make, you make too much money to be behaving this way. If you want to get to a level where you are financially comfortable, potentially one day, you know, financially very successful, then you can't keep thinking this way. Mm -hmm. This is truly insane. They literally signed their kids up for a $55,000 a year commitment for 12 years with no idea how they're going to pay for the second year or anything beyond. What is the end game here? Do people who make these decisions ever stop to think, hmm, what if something goes wrong? What if one of us gets laid off? What if we can't keep up our lifestyle that we have now committed ourselves to for over a decade? Why am I even asking this question? I already know the depressing answer. The answer is people do not make a plan. They do not think beyond the month and they simply hope things go all right. And when they don't, and it ends disastrously, the people have no idea what actually just happened. And that's when they start going on Twitter and saying, life sucks, this is horrible. Life sucks, yes. Life sucks for me right now, having to imagine how bad things can go. I'm truly at a loss here. I think in my conversation with Sarah and Kevin, I wish I had taken a break to get my composure back. So what I tried to do was I tried to summarize where we were, in part just so I could remind myself what in the hell is happening right now. I've got a colleague who's going through something stressful in her family life right now. And she's having these anxious thoughts. And she told me it makes it hard for her to sleep. And we were talking about it. And she said, you know what's been helping? She puts on a sleep story from Calm about a train ride through England. It's a guy with a very nice British accent. And within five minutes, she's asleep. I think it's very interesting that we talk about sleep. We worry about sleep but often we try the same things we've tried for such a long time. And there's a lot of different approaches that we can take to sleep. Take Calm, one of our sponsors today. It's the number one app for sleep and meditation. It gives you the power to calm your mind. They have meditations on things like anxiety and stress. They can help you focus. They can help you relax. And as you heard, they have sleep stories for kids and for adults. The Calm app, puts the tools that you need to feel better, including music, soundscapes, or even things that you can use to focus at work. If you go to calm.com slash Ramit, 
you'll get a special offer of 40% off a Calm Premium subscription, and they add new content every single week. For listeners of this show, Calm is offering that exclusive offer of 40% off a Calm Premium subscription at calm.com slash Ramit. So go to calm.com slash Ramit for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash Ramit. If you are a business owner, listen up. As your business starts to grow, you and I both know what happens. Those things that you used to do manually start to break. They start to take up all your time and you decide, I'm going to look for some automation. The things you used to do take a week, but how do you automate these things? Well, if this is you and you are in charge of your business, there are three numbers you should know. 36,000, 25, and 1. 36,000, that's the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system. It streamlines accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for your KPIs in one efficient system with one source of truth. You can manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. It's everything you need all in one place. And as you know, I like to see all my numbers in one place. That's exactly what NetSuite can help you do. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at iwt.com slash NetSuite. That's iwt.com slash NetSuite N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E to get your own KPI checklist. IWT.com slash NetSuite. Can we sum up with where we ended here? So Mm -hmm. you have your fixed costs at 53%. That's fucking awesome. Is anyone else excited by that? Yeah. All right. I think that's amazing. Uh, shit. I just realized, I realized I made a mistake. The, we, we took the, um, kids school. Where, where did we put that? Is that in and fixed cost right now? Guilt, guilt free. Yeah. Fuck. We kind of, all right. Well, I'll tell okay. It's a technicality. I'm just going to tell you why I'm a little, it's a little, we're playing a little bit of tricks and it's not good, but I'm going to tell you. So if we move that 5,800 back into fixed costs, you'd be way over, yeah. right? And the fact of the matter is that that your girl's school is a fixed cost because you have zero intention of ever stopping paying that money mm-hmm. for the next 12 years. So technically, it is a fixed cost. And what that really says is you're still over on fixed costs by a lot. So look, we're playing some games with the CSP. I don't really like it. but there's no other way to do it. Uh, the implication here is that basically you need to keep getting your bonuses and distributions and you need to be setting them aggressively aside in savings. Mm-hmm. All right, that's that. And it also implies that you don't have much else to spend for guilt-free spending on anything. And that's something that I, I it troubles me because most couples, they want to go on vacation. They want to do fun things. They want to do that. And I don't like setting up a system where you you can't do it because you're not going to actually listen. You're just going to be like, 
fuck all this. So you really have to be thinking about what is the marathon that we are running? So you have a marathon of at least 12 years of high expenses. That's the way you chose it. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's how it's got to be. All right. What questions can I answer for you? This is me putting the onus on them now. I have helped them as much as I can. Now it's on them. Watch what happens. Well, I got a big one. All right. Um, I heard you all throughout and keep hanging and uh, diplomatically about um, the, uh, the school um, as if it's... It's going to set us up for failure as we run for a, a marathon and, and, and trying to maintain this cadence, this velocity. Uh, so the question simply, simply asked is, are we setting ourselves for failure? I can't say yes or no you are setting yourselves up for a very difficult rest of your lives. The reason for that is you first, you have some difficult habits that you've already exhibited. Mm -hmm. So it's not like we're starting from a blank page. Sure. That's number one. Two, $55,000 a year of a fixed expense for at least 12 more years is extremely high. Um, at your income level, it is very challenging. At your income level with your spending habits, it's everything has to go right in order for you to do it. Could you do it? Yeah, I think so. If you were to radically change the way you manage money, it could happen. But you two would have to be a completely unified team and you would also have to be lucky. The good news is that you have a high income, household income, with the possibility of making more. Mm -hmm. That part is really promising. But I don't like to only count on making more money in the future. I can't build a life around some hope. Well, you know, reality check, a 38, 42-year-old couple have... um, 150k uh, net worth proportionally to our revenue it is ridiculously low all of our 14 years of marriage led us to this right or wrong here we are this is it um now we're looking at the biggest uh chunk you know the the, the principle that we set ourselves that our kids will get great education and in the current um, plan that we've put together, it is obvious that it is what drives our lifestyle overall down. And, and so those are all the thoughts. You know, it, it is. Are you it, asking it, if it's worth it? If it's worth it. If it's, I mean, it, where. It, it is worth it for, we know it is worth it for education, for, for our children's education, because we, we've told ourselves that for the longest time. 
Um, but I'm just wondering whether we could make it work differently. Should we just play for a second and see what happens if we entertain the idea of not spending $55,000 a year on private school? Yeah. Why not? Does it make you, does it make you nervous to explore this? I th- I think so because then my next question is okay then where do they go to school what do we do and what do we do with the fifty eight hundred Let's open it up. I'm gonna copy this sheet. Now go ahead. Once you have a conversation about what you would do with fifty eight hundred bucks a month, I think just based off of this, um, I think increasing our investment is going to be a uh, big deal. So it's going to go into the savings so that we can stay in a five, five to 10% mark and then 10% mark for, for investment. I think you're right in terms of investment. We probably need to target maybe, let's say 15%. Um, then the, yeah, uh, savings. Okay. So uh, comparatively, you added, uh, that was 600. So you added $1,000. So you had a two thousand dollars, which is so it left uh, it leaves us with three thirty eight hundred dollars that we can put back in a fixed cost or guilt free. Um, guilt. Uh, oh, I there's think... a guilt free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's something. So, I, I forgot about that one. Um, I mean, I think that in terms of guilt free spending, it should be. I mean, the dining out, those kind of things, and that puts us at just over five thousand. So we still have, would have about eight hundred left. Correct. And that's the hundred for eight hundred for the kids' activity. For <laughs> the kids' activities, right <laughs> or the car, whichever we took out. We took out both, but yeah, I mean, it's there's something. Yeah, and the investment is important. Yeah. What are you all noticing? And what are you both feeling? Conflicted. Uh-huh. It, it's a bittersweet. It's, I feel air in my lungs, but I felt like it's constri- they're constricted at the same time. My lungs are constricted at the same time. Uh, what does that mean? Meaning that I feel like there's a sense of relief that, oh, look at that. You know, we don't have to um shrink our life and we can actually look up to the future and by the same time is the constriction that i feel is the best investment that you can make for your children is their education and um and we equated that we equate that to financially because well, no, it might be educationally challenged as parents. So we try to say, here, private school, do a better job than we can do. Yeah. Wait, is that true? Jo- jokingly, it's... On the academic points. side, yes. But, um, uh, but hold on, hold on, hold on. Because, uh, I mean, it's funny, but you mentioned that you were potentially going to homeschool them. Yeah, I mean, and that's with, I mean... With help, and that would be the worst case thing I get. Not worst case, that's not true. 
that would be um well what's the worst case for you two financially speaking um continuing down the path we're on. Slope. yeah for sure the path that we're on is the worst case you wrote Simply me put. I'd love for Kevin and I to be able to talk about money without being scared. The next conversation will be the end of our marriage. Yeah. I mean, it's not like we're just talking about the weather. Yeah. This is 10 out of 10. That's what you wrote. 10, 10, 10. Yeah. So the school, it, it was presented as a non-negotiable. I get it. We talked about it for at length. Is it not? Is it is it an option? Because if it's an option, that opens up an entirely different lifestyle for you. Um. Well, I think that at this point, anything's an option. Now that's a good answer. I can work with that. Yeah. Can I tell you something? Um. I'm sure you have your reasons for wanting to send your daughters to private school. And if that's what you choose to continue doing, okay, it's your money. It's your choice. I guess I want you to be able to zoom up. Mm -hmm. I understand if there's um, uh, one of your daughters needs extra help and the private school is the best place to do it. I totally get that. But I want to look at this in the totality of your girls growing up with parents who are not worried about money every single day of their lives of passing on some of the things you picked up with money sarah and changing that like generational messages are real mm -hmm. and i wonder which of these decisions would provide a real change for your daughters the school changing which, the school to what? To cheaper slash free options. Could be. I think for children to be able to see their parents feeling good about money, teaching them valuable lessons about money, that changes the dynamic a lot. And forget about money, just seeing parents actually being able to breathe. Yeah. Like I was telling you, I feel like I could almost physically, I could actually breathe uh, just by walking out through this exercise. If this is a reason why our marriage would continue to be stressed, then it, it, it has to be considered. Let me share the follow-ups because this is a situation we have never had before. After each conversation, I ask my guests to follow up and send me the answers to a few questions that I have for them. Sarah and Kevin did write back. Let me read what they wrote. Sarah said, I think the thing that surprised me the most were the numbers. We've never calculated our finances in such a way that gave us a completely clear picture of where we're at. It was hard, crushing at points, but motivating and encouraging as well. Our conversation really drove home how I have to start taking more responsibility with our finances. Money doesn't have to be scary. We definitely have some hard decisions to make, but now I believe that we can get to a place that will allow us to build a healthy relationship and pay off and keep off all the debt. Here's what Kevin said. It is evident that Sarah and I do not have healthy financial habits. 
Ramit uncovered behaviors that led us to where we are today. My biggest learning point was to know where to start. I embarrassingly admitted early on in our conversation that I struggled to adapt the CSP to our lives. Once we understood the importance of working with the revenue we are certain of, the rest made sense. This was probably the biggest takeaway. Okay, well, I appreciate Sarah and Kevin coming on and being so candid in this conversation. I wasn't satisfied with those answers. I wanted to know specifically what changes they were going to make. Also, they were supposed to send me their updated CSP with the decisions they made. But after the first follow-up, we never did. I really hope that Sarah and Kevin find these last two episodes eye-opening. And I genuinely hope that they are able to recommit to making a change. The stakes are very high. Their family's future and their happiness and relationship depends on it. Thank you for listening. I'm Ramit Sethi. Thanks for listening to I Will Teach You To Be Rich. I'm Ramit Sethi. Please follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't read I Will Teach You To Be Rich, my book, pick up a copy. You can get it at any bookstore or any library, and it will show you the specific tactics for how to build the I Will Teach You To Be Rich system into your personal finances. You know, travel is one of my money dials. It's one of the areas that I love to spend money on. I travel for months every year and I'm fanatical about the hotels I stay in and the experiences that my wife and I go through when we go on these trips. And I wanted to share another podcast that I really love called All the Hacks. It's by my friend Chris Hutchins. And Chris is the person I actually called when I wanted to build a personal playbook for how to use my airline points. I got on the phone with him and my assistant and Chris said, okay, which cards do you have? And we went through it and we built a personalized travel playbook because Chris knows everything there is to know about travel. And now he's got this amazing podcast that I want you to check out. Again, it's called All the Hacks. Chris has traveled to over 60 countries, mostly for free. And each week on All the Hacks, he shows listeners how you can do the same with expert guests. He even does deep dives on specific travel locations. For example, there was recently an episode with the founder of a travel company where he broke down where to find off-the-beaten-path experiences in Italy and the best way to use points and miles for your next trip there. I've had the opportunity to be Chris's guest multiple times. Most recently, we talked about money and relationships and building a shared vision for your rich life. You can check that out on episode 112. So check this podcast out. It's actually very interesting. I want you to search for all the hacks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your wallet will thank you later.